on just sort of a website, what, you, what have you been working on for six months? Um, we have been mostly writing, shooting, and editing and developing um, pieces, concept, tone for Lady Parts Justice. That is what has been 90% of my time. It's going to relaunch as an interactive map that um, you can click on all the estate and you will see a video that covers some part of their reproductive agenda, whether it's horrible legislators that are trying to push laws mm-hmm. through, governors, all on a local level we want to cover because that's where all the stuff's coming from. Sort of funny or die and the onion meets real life facts about mm. um, laws that are in some way or shape or form um, shitting all over women. <laughs> so it's reproductive health. Is it voter suppression? Is it pay equity? Is it just general tone of, hey, a transvaginal probe for you is just like me looking under the car if I'm in, or looking under the hood if I want to buy a used car? It's like, really? Actually, it's not like that at all. Okay, how about me buying carpeting? Yeah, still not like that, turns out. Yeah, the carpeting analogies yeah, get really weird. that's real crazy. <laughs> so, um, so you'll click on the video. You'll see some facts right under the video, mm-hmm. like five facts you might know about the state. Um, places that you can um, register to vote. Um, you can look at some of the links we have towards like other people who are trying to like work towards repro right stuff, where you can help, where you can sign up. And then um, places that like you can you can you can come on our site to converse with other people, you know, figure out where's other where's other women with some good ideas for me to like. I hate that guy who's running for city council, but I'm not super creative. Like, what's a good way that people are like trying to rally their community to wear, bring awareness to that guy? Oh, let's see what they're doing on the Lady Parts Justice Indiana page, uh, or you can like post on the main Facebook page or our website and say, "Help." I need something. And then somebody will see that and go, hey, we did this flyer. It worked really well. People got excited. It's like, oh, thanks. So it's kind of a idea sharing mm-hmm. place. Um, but mostly we just want to like talk about the, especially the issue of reproductive justice through a pop culture lens so that we're hitting people who maybe don't identify as political and maybe don't enjoy politics so much. Well, this and, is, I mean, this is what's interesting, right? So, so the, the, the social part, certainly makes sense you know the informational part makes sense you're going to go to the site for for right. a, a particular subset of, of of you know political information but uh the the video element is interesting because you know it seems like the idea there is to just sort of get those videos out there independent of the site right because no they'll be on the site but they'll also be independent of the site i think yeah. the key is because i mean you're, if you're coming to the site you 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 want some. You might not, want some comedy because you'll okay. know who's on the site. Okay, and so I it's going to lure two different people. It will lure people that are paying attention, yeah. and then it's also going to lure people who happen to be fans of Sarah Silverman, mm. happen to be fans of Olivia Wilde, yeah. happen to be fans of Lena Dunham, happen few, to be fans yeah. of Greg Proops or Paul Provenza mm-hmm. or um, Kathy Najimy or Ali Sheedy, you know, uh, or a, my- a myriad of other people yeah, I think you've named who will be that. popping up <laughs> on the site. So you've it's covered like, a, a significant yeah. portion of the population. And so, you know, if you go to the YouTube page, you see, it's kind of like, oh, that, I love so-and-so's humor. Mm. What are they doing on this site? Mm-hmm. And then the videos are funny yeah. and informative. So if it was like, you know, an aggregate for hilarious ways to respond to complete crackpots, no one's really ever taken on um, these kinds of issues with humor before. Mm. And the humor is like, and it's not soft. Some of it's sweet. Some of it's outrageous. Some of it's filthy. Some of it's touching. So it's kind of on a spectrum of, of uh, from serious, and this is real, to touching, to sweet, to hard-hitting to, oh, my fucking God, you went there. And so, like, sketches primarily? Yep, there's yeah. sketches, there's straight-to-camera POV mm. commentary, there's um, people just talking, there's um, a lot of taking... Um, we do a TMZ satire that's called LPJ that looks exactly like TMZ, but um, they're, instead of celebrity, they're talking about Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of random bunch. people standing in a newsroom somewhere. You got it. Yeah. Standing in a newsroom and um, talking about Scott Walker. Like, what do we got on him? Mm-hmm. And then you learn a whole bunch of stuff about Scott Walker 
through these people and the way that they speak. So it's like some douche tart over here, blah blah blah, and you're like, oh my god, that's the language of, you know, how mm-hmm. kids talk. And then yet yeah, they're talking about the governor of a state who's doing some messed up things. And this so, Sunday night is just is is everybody sitting down writing writing sketches. We're sitting down, pitching ideas, yeah. writing. Um, you if some if we know something's coming down the week ahead, so like we planned out two different pieces for Hobby Lobby. Um, one if it went the way we had hoped, and mm. one if it went the way we, it didn't. We we didn't hope, so you know we had that ready to go in the can, and so we're kind of looking ahead at like the agenda of where we're we'll be coming down, so we can like preemptively start either shooting stuff or writing stuff, knowing that we have to just write at the last minute for the yeah. last thing. But I mean, you've you've had the uh, you know the advantage of being able to just sort of like build up. It's my Six muscle stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then at some point, you really you have to really hit the ground running. That's and right. Be, be current. Yeah, and there's some stuff you can do that's fresh and evergreen, and there's some stuff that you can do that's gonna die in the vine. You'll have to replace it. But that's how I built my career. Yeah. So, you know, from stand up and Daily Show and Air America, it's like I I'm not a precious person. Like I don't know how filmmakers do it. Hmm. I don't know what you do with all of that time to finesse yeah. and to hone. And then to have its very existence depend on a weekend. I would much rather make something that's awesome and makes a point, and then maybe it hits and it's awesome. Maybe it dies and it's awful, but the next day you can wake up and do something else. So you never actually can define yourself by your work. You can't become a giant egomaniac, and you can't become a like self-loathing um, psychopath because you just got to do something the next day. Well, it's a, it's a good approach for the internet, certainly. Yeah. Because nothing, I mean, you nothing know, lasts. And, and certainly, and, 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 you know, same for politics at this yep. point. Everything, everything is, is, is so fast. You That's can't right. Be too precious yeah. And so if you can create some, some wheelhouses that with which you can then insert content, mm. I mean, that's the part that's really fun when you go, hey, this is a really great device with which we can use as a donut to refill over and over again. That way you're not always coming up with a new concept. You have concepts you can rely on that you can fill in with fresh material. Mm. And then you're like, always... Like th- segments? Uh, I, yeah, like segments yeah. or even devices um, that work. Uh, you know, we do a live, you know, some e-cards. Mm-hmm. Sure. So what we have done is we, um, we've done live action some e-cards where it's two people in a scenario, mm-hmm. you know, like in those like 1920s Gibson girl yeah. outfits. Um, and I'll show you. I'll show you one. This is this is approved. Is this approved? What is it approved <laughs> by, by, by these some guards? Well, you know they can't do anything. They sure, just sure. took images. So yeah. we've because cre- we've created the entire thing. But this is real life clip art. It's real life clip yeah. art that is um, real life animation that then freezes or real life people yeah. that freeze. Then they become animated, and then a caption comes up. So you hear somebody talking, and then you hear uh, it, and then you go. It's pretty. They're pretty cool. So that's just one little device that, as the news mm-hmm. breaks, we can take one of our many images and we'll be always be uploading and, and, and um, creating the, the uh, images for it. But we have, like, a stock thing. How, how close, how, how quick of a turnaround are you looking at in terms of, you know, a news story hitting? Uh, well, it depends. For, for, for we have been doing a little bit of rapid response here and there as we've been developing the site. But the goal is, when the site is up, that we will transition into looking at a story and being able to spin an idea and turn it around on a dime, mm. um, hopefully by like a two or four o'clock news cycle that can get in. Um, I work, I'm lucky I work best in the morning. So um, I usually wake up with an idea. I'm usually up really late reading. I can usually get about four hours of sleep a night. Um, so I'm up reading. I see what's going to break and I go to sleep and I wake up and I have an idea and I can get it written and we can get it done in so tell, tell me about hours. that. I mean, obviously the process is going to change once the site is live, but tell me about that process, the process between you waking up, having an idea, and that becoming a thing that's on the Internet. Um, well, I think that depending on the situation, um, when we are up and going, we will have a core team of people, and we'll have an office, which is really exciting. Um, but we'll have a core team of a couple writers, a couple producers, couple editors um and we'll have an office that is a green screen pre-lit green mm. screen space and you're gonna have a studio yeah we'll yeah. have it we'll have an office studio with a with a production and team. it's not gonna be in this apartment no okay <laughs> the bathroom isn't gonna have uh-uh. a green screen uh-uh. 
And so, you know, people will get there depending on what happens. If I get an idea, I'll call the troops out mm-hmm. and say, you know, we've got to be to work by 8 because you don't know what's going to happen because this is going down and I want to get something up in on it. So how did, you know, so you, you do, um, you know, you did, you did The Daily Show, you did Air America, as you said, which are far, far broader in terms of the topics that they're yeah. covering. How did you... I don't want to say hyper-focus. I mean, obviously, this is a, you know, a, big, a big issue, but right. how did this become your, your cause? My issue? Well, it's always been my cause. Um, I, myself, got pregnant in te- as a teen and uh, was kind of alone and found myself in a crisis pregnancy center and was really tortured and shamed by the people there. And so I always had it in the back of my mind that I would always be an advocate. But, you know, when that 2011 shit happened mm. and the, the tea party you know 89 tea party years or 70 their 80 or 79 tea party years were elected to congress and the first thing they did was try to defund planned parenthood mm-hmm. and when they failed i watched as state legislatures kept hammering and proposing really crappy pieces of legislation that were just curbing access you know making shit up twisting science nothing was based in reality and people weren't even understanding the profundity of reproductive health or even the profundity of birth control. The fact that seriously clean water Mm. and access to population control are probably the two most important things we can have as a society. Beyond just this idea of abortion. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, to deny birth control, birth control to me is a human right. It just should be. It should be. It's best for Mm -hmm. everyone, for people to be able to make decisions on whether or not they want to have families to make sure that they can live their lives and, and not have to worry about the consequences of trying to well, terminate a pregnancy. Well, it's also birth control is not just birth control, right? Right. I mean, it's medication for a lot of people. Well, yeah, it right. is. It's medication for a lot of people, sure, but it's also birth control yeah. for most people. And I think that um, it's, it, it's always important to remember that people use birth control for endometrial problems, for many things. But I think that if we run that line of questioning down the barrel, Mm -hmm. you end up eventually dividing up women who are using birth control because they're sluts and women who use birth control for, to manage other thing. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to draw that line. I I don't want to say that the reason that a woman uses birth control because she doesn't want to have kids is any less valid than a woman who uses birth control to um, control her cycle or whatever other reason she does. Um, Because I think that if a woman needs to use birth control, I think that she should have mm-hmm. access to it, and that's fine with me. So, yeah. Um, so, when I, when I realized this was happening, I had happened to, I went back to Minnesota. Um, I, I was trying to finish my book here, and it was impossible, so I packed up these animals and got in a van and drove to Minnesota where I'm from. And when I finished the book, uh, I drove back and did some benefits for Planned Parenthood along mm-hmm. the way to raise money. And I realized... Literally along the way? Yeah, literally yeah. along the way. I did six shows. And I realized that a lot of the people coming to my shows were... Planned Parenthood told me that they were... I had brought down the age of hmm. a donor by about 20 years. Like, instead of being around 50, 45 to 50, we were getting 30 to 35-year-olds. And, and 75% of them were first-time donors. Hmm. And we realized that a lot of them were coming to see the comedy show because they liked my stand-up. And then learning some stuff that was going on. And then I was getting Facebook messages and people saying, this is so great. I had no idea. I've now signed up to volunteer Planned Parenthood or I'm going to go, you know, whatever. And I was like, wow. And so... You were, I mean, in a sense, you were bringing in the people whose lives were even more affected yeah, by totally. this, this issue. And who, and who didn't know. Yeah. They were coming to see it. Some were coming because they were advocates, but some were also mm-hmm. just comedy fans. And and so or and, and or politics and comedy fans too, but it was it was a it was a gamut. So then I just kept doing the shows because they were successful and we were raising a lot of money. And um, I've done like forty three of them now for Planned Parenthood, NARAL, independent clinics. And I thought, wow, if people keep coming and this keeps happening, I should do something that is going to grab people on a bigger level and bring them into the tent where they don't feel like they're being lectured, they mm-hmm. don't feel like they're getting politics if they don't want it but they are feeling like I did not know that my access to birth control was at stake and that my privacy is at stake this is like simple shit people like birth control it's popular and so when they hear politicians are fucking with it it becomes 
you know, if it was the guy that, you know, worked at Wendy's who was fucking with your birth control, they would be angry and do something about it, you know? So it's not even about, politicians happen to be the people fucking with their birth control. And they're like, well, you know what? I don't think I like that. I think I'm actually do something about that because I like my life the way it is. And I don't need somebody messing with it. So is, is that? I mean, is it, you know, to, to some degree, that's a thing that everybody knows now, right? That politicians are fucking with that. I mean, especially no, 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 and that's even the part in that's of, shocking. You know, here's what's yeah. and here's what's surprising. Yeah. So I thought that too. I thought there was going to be a basic knowledge. Yeah. There is not a basic knowledge. Mm. There's not a basic knowledge of the Hobby Lobby case. There's not a basic knowledge of even who people's senators are per se and what's happening. Um, so we've been doing these talk-ins with young women, like between 19 and 26, and just kind of hanging out and doing them in like hip East Village, like clothing stores. And we're going to do one at Babeland, um, which is a sex yeah. toy store. And um, they're like, we had no idea. We hmm. came because it sounded cool. Um, even in New York, even, even at in the, New York, even in a sex shop yeah, in New York. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So they don't know. Yeah. I mean, and, and and the statistics are staggering. I mean, just now in 2014, over 700 pieces of legislation to curb mm. access to reproductive health care have been proposed just this year alone. And we're in July. And I believe some state legislatures mm. aren't even in session now. They're like some of them do every other. So it's crazy when you think about the assault. And so once people find out, they get really pissed. And if you talk to them just like regular people, like I know you're busy – and this is nuts, but like this shit's going on. Mm. They 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 do a reset of how they want to do it. So if it's like have some wine, have some friends over, here's some shit that seems crazy. Here's the guy's name. Tell this, people this is the website version of having some wine and having some people over. Yeah, and then yeah. you want the website to actually drive to have say to people, hey, you've read this shit. Talk to your friends. Have some wine. Bring them over. Show them the shit. Laugh at the videos, and then go. This is our state. This guy's a douchebag. I don't think I like that guy. I think we got to get rid of that guy. And this is, I mean, this is a way, I mean, obviously things are. What do you have to say? <laughs> obviously things are, you know, things are, are, are fucked up all over. And, and as you said before, you know, even in New York City, yeah. not everyone knows. But, but, you know, this is a way, I guess, of, you know, that, that, that spade, those stops that you made between uh, Minnesota and That New was York. the wake I mean, up call for me. Because but that's I would, where you need, that's where you need to go. Yeah. That's right. You know, when I'm in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, you know, and, you know, I wasn't going to Chicago and I was going to, you know, Pontiac, Michigan, mm. you know, Asheville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, uh, Greensboro, uh, Sarasota, Florida, Orlando, you know, play, red states, uh, Texas. I was in Dal- Houston. Um, I was in um, I've been like in Anchorage, Alaska. Bellingham, Washington, hmm. you know, like I'm Omaha, Nebraska, or no, Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, so really hitting these places that are, um, are not being serviced by the media or just by anyone, you know, we don't have the media. And so when I'm in, when I'm in a state like Nebraska and I find out that like public schools hardly have any actual sex education, hmm taught um, and you have to sign a permission slip um to let your kid hear about it a lot of people don't and i've had sex educators tell me that like they've had 12 and 13 year old girls come to sex education pregnant not knowing how they got pregnant not understanding that that thing that they did was what got them pregnant and that is crazy and that's the world we live in. And people are like, how could that be with the internet and the uh, blah, blah, blah? Well, a lot of low-income people don't have the internet, turns out. You know, I think that we don't reset enough on what happens in rural communities, what, what it's like in communities of color, what it's like in immigrant communities. When you have first generation, we have a, one woman on our site, grew up in Massachusetts, first generation Korean woman, who's, when she got her period, her mother said, now you have to stay away from men. And that's all. And then the mother wouldn't let her uh, take sex ed in school, wouldn't sign the permission slip. So when she became a sexually active teen, she was going on her own, was afraid to talk to her girlfriends because she didn't know how people were going to judge her if she decided to tell anybody she was sexually active. And, you know, she made some, she was terrified. So there is so much to think about with what's yeah. happening right now that the the more and more that places like um, 
Whole Women's Health in Texas or Planned Parenthood closed, it's just less of a place for young women to have a safe space to learn about health care, birth control. So I, I, re- I really want to know, like, a, a show for you, you know, if you, uh, uh, I don't know, Pontiac, Michigan, <laughs> you know, if, you, if, if and, and again, you, you said you're doing these stand-up shows and people are coming out because they want to see stand-up. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that's honestly probably the case with most stand-up shows, you know, whether or not they even know the person they're going to see. People, a lot of people just sort of go to stand-up shows in the way that people don't, right. you know, just go to concerts. They just right. want to laugh. But, um, you know, if you're in say a, a, a red state or a more rural area and you, you get up there and people aren't expecting something political and you hit them with something political i mean that that's got to go south sometimes right well it used to go south when i was just starting out and doing political material but now people come to see me because they know what i do mm-hmm. and so um it's actually better when you go to a red state um people are so and you're in a, yeah. like you go to a uh, like a medium market, people are so psyched you came to their town yeah, yeah. that all the progressives in that town will come out. And it's really fun. And it energizes people, too. People are like, are you trying to change minds? I'm like, I'm just trying to point out hypocrisy. You're trying to change minds a little bit, right? Well, sometimes I don't know that you can. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know that I am so, think so much of myself that I could change someone's mind. Yeah. Um, but... What I have been able to do um, is reignite somebody who is feeling like this is hopeless. Mm. All of a sudden, when you gather a bunch of people in a room to do a show, there's all this energy there. You know, if you've got three, 400 people coming to see a show, and you're like, oh, you're pro-choice? I didn't know that. You see somebody you work with maybe or a neighbor, which happens constantly. Um, oh, I didn't know you were even, you know, liberal or, you know, whatever. Um, people feel like okay, I'm not in this alone. I have a little bit of fight in me. And if you present information in a way that's like, I, I always say in my stand-up act, when I <clears throat> talk about politics or politicians, I kind of treat them like, um, I, ta- I, I talk to the audience like I'm having lunch with a girlfriend, hmm. and I talk about politicians like it's some douchebag that we all went to high school with mm-hmm. that I just ran into. So it's like, oh my God, do you guys know so-and-so? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, no, who's he? And I'm like, he's the guy... The, the, the thing you know and they're like oh that guy it's yeah. like I have that guy because a lot of times people don't retain names like Todd yeah. Aiken you know the legitimate rape guy yeah. who's now back a lot of people don't remember his name but when you say you know the legitimate rape legitimate guy rape they're like oh the legitimate <laughs> rape guy I'm like yeah, yeah. that douchebag well anyway he did this yeah. and then people are like no and I'm like totally google it and if they've never heard a story um, they're into it because I'm presenting it in a way like you are not gonna fucking believe this shit and I find that a really sort of great ice-breaking way. And sometimes people are like, you know, I didn't like, I don't like your, the way you look at the world, and I can't stop that. But a lot of times people are like, I had no idea. Like, I was kind of political, but now I'm, like, fired up. So if I can fire people up yeah. and get people who are just on the fence or apolitical to think about a couple of different issues that might matter to them that don't, that in a perfect world 30 years ago, wouldn't have put you in a political camp. You know, there used to be a lot of pro-choice Republicans that held office. Now there's not a single pro-choice Republican in our Congress. Do you think the nation as a whole is, is more polarized, or is it just the, is it just the media, is yeah, it the politicians? Yeah, I think it is more polarized. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that through the Internet and through 24-hour cable news, yeah. you've been able to um, keep and stay and have your thought process validated mm-hmm. without bringing any other information and get your in. Points and yeah, you know, you watch Fox News, you hear somebody say something, you Google it, and you come up with Red State, Town Hall, Breitbart, you know, Daily Caller, all, um, you know, saying the same mm-hmm. talking point that they heard on Fox. Then that becomes verified when it's all bullshit. Climate science is a hoax. Well, is is the is the I mean, not in terms of lies and the truth, but is is, is the left that that different? I mean, you know, they, it, it seems like the response has just been to sort of build up a similar attempted media empire. Right? I mean, I I wouldn't say that NBC came from the ground up with an ideology. Yeah. 
But MSNBC, or at least in the last few years, I mean... But it didn't build itself. Yeah. Fox News built itself based on Roger Ailes and Rupert Murdoch's ideology mm-hmm. of the world. MSNBC was very conservative yeah. up until four years ago. Microsoft years, yeah. And still in the morning is very conservative. Well, let's, uh, let's use, let's use an example that, that's closer to, to you, which is uh, Air America. Okay. I mean, um, isn't that, was, was that a response to conservative media? I mean, it, a response in the sense of, if you could find me shows on Air America that were making inflammatory denying of the facts all in out shows, I would go, sure, people are on Air America saying whatever they want, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's a but it's a place for I mean, you know, people are people of a certain ideology or it's well, I guess the question is, it's not really a it's not um, it doesn't exist as much. To, like, as you said before, it's hard to change people's minds. It doesn't exist to change minds. Right. I mean, I guess to say that because it's a different point of view, it's the it's the uh, left version of Fox mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't to me is dishonest because you could fact check Air America. Yeah. You know, we weren't lying that those pictures in Abu Ghraib happened. On Fox they were defending the pictures on Abu Ghraib of Abu Ghraib. So, you know, it's it's like I mean, I would say a more of a sticking point would be for all of the people who were screaming about um deportation under Bush, um, you know, uh, interrogation, um, NSA stuff, and then trying to find a way to defend it under the Obama administration, I would say that would be a hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Those people who can't say, we need to see this through all the way because our government shouldn't be doing this and it doesn't matter who the president is, even if I voted for him. I'm not psyched about the fact that people don't use FISA courts. I'm not psyched about if we're still doing renditions. I'm not psyched about that there's still people who have not had trials at Guantanamo. You know, I think you shouldn't change your mind about prioritizing that because there's a Democrat versus a Republican in office. But I don't think that comparisons are um, are valid with major media types. Um, I mean, Rachel Maddow, I've worked with her for a year and a half. There is nobody who is more meticulously obsessed with making sure she gets it right than Rachel and when she gets it wrong she cracks the record she yeah. beats herself up it's really you know she doesn't want to be that person she really is on a quest for making the people who watch her show smarter and better citizens and making the world better that is her plan instead of what I would argue um, watching Fox where it just becomes this lightning rod to keep people uninformed you know I, I and I'm curious about like how many people watch, um, let's say, or, or have watched Fox News who have a historical background, who mm-hmm. have paid attention for a long time? You know, they don't know things that have happened throughout the course of events. They just know that they've watched the last six years of Obama and decided that he somehow single-handedly destroyed the financial crisis and yeah. created TARP. And although he's seen some things through that are that I I have beef with you know I'm I feel I haven't processed how I feel about these detainees you know I don't know so it, it, it's, it's it's funny though it's because it's sort of like one of those ways that um, you know I, I think you know the left didn't sort of like shoot itself in the foot in, in that it's like maybe it's not as good of a business model to not constantly have a lightning rod you know to, to well, not constantly base things around uh, riling people up but I think that you can rile people up with humor and yeah. I think what the left does really well is rile people up by um, using humor to point out hypocrisy. You know, Bill Maher, John Stewart, Louis Black, um, Stephen Colbert, uh, John Oliver. You know, you look at those outlets, and those are the places that um, people are laughing and their gut is being hit. And somebody did a study, I think it was The Atlantic, or mm. there was like a big study done about how. It's a it's a it's a right brain left brain thing, yeah. and that people who have tendencies to be um, liberal leaning respond to humor, and p- 
people who are right are easily um, suspect and respond to somebody telling you that hmm. somebody's out to get you. So it's a very different thing. I can't remember who did the study, but it, you can you can Google it and see. Um, so we're wired differently, you know. There's not, hmm. and I, and I don't, and, I, and it does f- sort of feel terrifying a little bit that there is many, many, many outlets for the spectrum of conservative thought yeah, and not very many for the spectrum of it, progressive it, thought. It's interesting though. It's interesting though. You know, I mean, for I'm, I'm sure a number of reasons, Air America didn't, didn't last forever. Um, Mostly because we had investors who were liars <laughs> and didn't really invest. Um, but, but, but it, but, but the interesting thing about what, what you just said, you know, is, is that while, you know, maybe there aren't perfect analogs on the left for, you know, like for, for Fox News in these places. It's interesting that all of the sort of left-leaning names that you, you named are, they're really, I mean, they're mainstream programs. They're, 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 they're shows that America watches, yeah. you know, in, in a sense, regardless of political leaning. Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, I, I would assume that, that the Daily Show audience is probably a little more left-leaning than um, other audiences, but but I mean these or are. True. I would say truth. I would argue truth leaning. But you know, but... I would argue <laughs> truth leaning. No, but you understand what I'm saying, though. Is is it's interesting that you know you you pointed to these examples of sort of progressive thought, and they're kind of they're main, they're mainstream programs now. I mean, the, you know, the well, they are. Shows they where... are. But I, I think I'm mainstream thought. I'm also talking about like in the in the sense of the word of the of the the rabble rousing firebranding kind mm-hmm. of things like we have comedy yeah. and comedy shows and i feel like they have rush limbaugh and glenn beck sure. you know so it's like um it's so that's interesting it's kind of like when it comes to like where where is um where's the conservative bill moyers hmm. who's that person right George Will? I don't know. No, God, no. <laughs> I will not. William Buckley's dead, so. Right. Um, but, 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 he, but here's the trick is, you know, and, and I wonder, I mean, it's probably also the same for, honestly, it's probably also the same for Glenn Beck. I don't know how many people are watching Glenn Beck's show and going A out. A lot and, of people. No, no, but, oh. no, but are, are watch, obviously, but are, are watching, you know, Glenn Beck or, or um, Sean Handy and actually going out and, you know, Volunteering, you know, or going out and 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 sort of taking the next step, and and I, it's probably the same on the Daily Show. I don't know, you know, it's one thing to watch a show and to get riled up about something and to get upset about something, and then it's a whole other thing to take that next step, and that's that's that bridge that you're going to have to try to, to. But the difference between the Daily Show and Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity is that. John Stewart's a comedian. Yeah. Stephen Colbert's a comedian. They do comedy shows that respond to the sure. world, point out hypocrisy. Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity rile their base. John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, through what they do, rile their base. It's not an intention to rile the base up to action. Yeah. They would tell you that. Yeah. It's their intention to make people laugh and point out hypocrisy and make them laugh through what they point out. With Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity... They are creating a business model based on riling people mm-hmm. up to do that. It's very different. When you're trying to make yeah. people laugh, it's different. And so I think that um, on some level, I would be trying to make people laugh and make people think and do a call to action. Yeah, that's what which I'm, is that's very what I'm asking, di- yeah, is how, which is how different you do that. than just doing a comedy show yeah. that points out hypocrisy and gets people riled up. I think you tell you. I think you give them a call to action. Do you like this? Does this freak you out? Because mm. it's happening all the time. You got to do something. Your future sort of starts with you, so you might want to think about that. And so, you know, we will unabashedly say to people, "Take this information in, and now you got to do something about it." Like here's where you can here's where you can register to vote. Here's where you can sign up to meet with people once a month and plot and scheme if you don't like that person. You know, make things available for people so that they can commune together and sort of take some control of what happens in their in their local communities. Because that you have a fighting chance on state with state and local government. 
it doesn't seem so daunting where it just like you look at yeah. trying to take on Congress and I just feel like somebody just kind of getting a little bit slapped by information and coming into um, politics maybe for the first time. Mm-hmm. If you can look at your like city council dude or your state rep and go, hey, that guy, I just do Googled and that guy only won by 400 votes. Like if you could go to I got some a control over that and talk to this guy. Like, yeah. you know, if you could, yeah. if you could get office hours, he might live guy. near you. Yeah. You know, yeah. these people might live near you. And they've been working under the radar for a really long time, assuming no one's paying attention. They mm. count on our apathy. Yeah. And so we're trying to say, they're counting on your apathy. You don't want to prove them wrong. So how do you, how do you, um, you know, you've got, you've got this, this brain trust here in New York. You've got, I think you said people in D.C. How do you... And L.A., yeah. And L.A., okay. But again, that's D.C., L.A., New York. How do you become a hyper-localized site? Because um, we have people who are talking to us through all kinds of... Like, we did a video for Louisiana where um, we had... Somebody saw what we were doing and... Um, an activist and a, a clinic owner from Louisiana called up and said, um, we would love a really funny video to try to raise awareness about the laws going down down here. And I said, great, let me talk to your local community people. What are people talking about? Here, we, mm. got, a, we got a woman from Louisiana to voice it. Um, we have a, 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 some writers who are from Louisiana mm. who helped work on it. So just because we live here, yeah. we're not a whole bunch of like, I was born and raised in New York and I'm going to tell people what to think. We are super hyper-aware of talking to people on the ground. I've got connections um, in almost every state. I've been to 41 of them in the past two years and talked to, like, people who are working on the ground. Um, and so I can reach out to people, and we have, with our research, with who we, when we're making the videos, like, what matters, what's there, you know. it's So we're really hyper-vigilant about um, having our connections and who we're talking to be people who are from the state as well because we have a whole panoply of people who they might live here but they were born and raised you know amber was born and raised in upstate new york and then pennsylvania and amy's from kansas and missouri you know born and raised so um we have people from minnesota iowa georgia um you name it i mean that's that that's that's traditionally been one of the problems that the left has had at least this this perception that it's right people from new york talking at you versus well, and, and that's why we don't want to be yeah. that place because yeah. it's it does us no good um in fact we've had conversations about like in some states it's like this state responds to these kind this is what matters to them they're more conservative they're a very catholic state so um you know how do we reach those people you know so some messaging in some states is different than messaging in other states. So, you know, you have to really take stuff into consideration and talk to people. And and also, you know, it's all sometimes you just don't like we we did a benefit for when Texas really shit the bed and they lifted the stay in November and there was Texas women who were without any kind of abortion care at all the next day. Mm. Um, I knew of four funds we could raise money for that were activists who were doing amazing work already helping i don't need to go in and tell somebody what to do i need to be smart enough to pay attention to what's happening in the country and raise money so that they can continue their work i mean that's part of all of this for me is to make friends identify and have relationships with the people who are doing the work so that i can be their grunt person sometimes if they need and that's important to me that people know that they can count on me and say can you help us raise money because we're drowning here. And it's like, yeah, you guys are awesome. I know exactly what you do. I will gladly do what I can. So that's a big part of it. So, so you, you, you mentioned that sort of the, the physiological connection between, you know, comedy and, 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 and politics. And I'm wondering for, for you, I mean, how, how organically did those, did those two things connect and, and which, I mean, which, which came first, you know, which comedy. was the comedy. The comedy came first. I mean, I was always, I always was a feminist and I was always pro-choice. Um, and I kind of pay attention to like kind of those things, you know. But you you can't you, you came from came Minnesota, from Catholic, Catholic, right? like, oh, like, like conservative, conservative Catholic parents. So how the hell did that happen? Because I grew up in the People's Republic of Minnesota, mm. so my parents would say one thing, I'd walk out of the house, and mm-hmm. I my parents, our Catholic, our our school had Jesuits. I mean, yeah. my mother was like beside herself with the Jesuits. It's like really, is this really happening? My daughter's learning all these lefty things. So, um, I think that, um. 
I had an epi- there, there was a political epiphany for me, and it's I write about it in my book. But the night of the first, first Gulf War in 1991, mm. I was on a blind date with a guy, and we went to this movie, and he was a total dork. And um, I don't know why I continued the date. Probably because I'm from Minnesota, and you're all nice in Minnesota, you know, and you just yeah, keep dorks going. Dorks have their yeah, <laughs> their but he was a disinterested dork. Yeah, I see. And so that's the worst kind of dork. Yeah, I know mm. he was disinterested. And so he also was wearing a Yankees hat and a Yankees mm. jacket. And I have a theory: if you wear two items of sports team clothing at any one time, you, he won't, a guy won't go down on you. I just believe that it's my thing, mm. and I haven't been proven wrong. Doesn't, so you don't have the home field advantage. No. No, too many field advantage. So, we went to a bar, and it was the night of the first Gulf War, and everybody was gathered around the TV. And it was the first time America had kind of watched a war unfold in mm. their houses and stuff. And it was mesmerizing. Mm. It was There was graphics and yeah. a theme song and, like, that green light and yeah, all these really C- handsome CNN people. There, yeah, and yeah. it was only CNN. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, with with no nothing, like – are they reporting on a war trying to sell me this war? Like, just because of the information I was taking in. And, like, a couple seconds after I said that, my date was like, this is really cool. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's really fucked up that you just said this is really cool because they made it not real for you. Mm -hmm. And that literally gave me a pit in my stomach like I haven't felt, like, Hmm. maybe three other times in my life. There there are very few... You have very few like cinematic moments in your life that you can go back to and yeah. point as like as actual. And that one was points. fucking one of them. And yeah. I was like, "How many other people are like this? Is really cool, young men, yeah. people. It's not really a war. People don't really die." And that night, literally, I was like, "I have to pay more attention." And I started paying more attention. I started reading more alternative press and trying to see the dots and where. Media- you literally, you literally went home. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go home, but I, I mean, that, and I yeah. went, I, I, it sat with me. Okay. I started looking at yeah. the world in a different way. I started writing material in a different way. I started paying more attention to the media, reading other things other than just the New York Times, um, and seeing how all those dots played out and really honing and focusing on the bullshit of mm. cable news. And then more cable news started happening. And then right after the Gulf War, a lot of people forget, you know, they, they ratcheted us up. And then when the Gulf War was winding down, I remember I was kind of immersed in it at that point. It's like, how are they going to keep our emotions up? And two days later, it was fucking OJ. Car chase, yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. two days later. They were handed a yeah. gift. Yeah. Uh, or I'm sorry, Rodney King. Oh, okay. Rodney King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were handed the Rodney King. T- so it was OJ just. not too far Yeah, and that. then they yeah. just went down yeah. that fucking rabbit hole of the Menendez brothers and mm. OJ and the baby shaking nanny. And then nighttime was all those. In- magazine shows where everybody was terrified. Your mattress, what you don't know might kill you. It was just fucking unending. All given the same gravity of Yes, all war. of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, they would they would hunt for a fake trend and then scare you thinking it was a trend. Our box is falling down off of shelves at every Walmart you walk into. This baby died. Another baby died. A third baby died. In a 15-year span, three babies have died. You know, it's like, what? So... Um, you know, I just kind of followed the hypocrisy yeah. of all of that. And then I just started writing more jokes about it. And my stand-up act became that. And then I did some one-woman shows. And then um, I worked on John Stewart's syndicated show. And when that got canceled, our bosses there took over, com- <laughs> took over Comedy Central. Hmm. And they were like, we love the way you talk about the world. Do you want to do this show that's on every day? And I was like, okay, but the show should be a character because the media's gotten so out of control that let's just be a comedy show that behaves like a newsroom and see what happens. Those first few stand-up shows, when you really start trying to incorporate that, I mean, how... Oh, it was brutal. Right? (laughs) Brutal. Because, you know, it was like brutal because... It's a little like square peg in a round hole. Square peg in a round hole, and there's kind of nothing more annoying than a political neophyte because mm. like you th- you're mad people don't know yeah. forgetting you just found out too yeah. and yeah. so um, you know you're like starting at some ex- explaining place that's really terrible you know it takes you forever to just it's like a reinvention of who you are on stage or it should be you can't mm. just start well you can but it won't be very successful plowing material that people 
you're right, didn't come for. Um, so how do you make it funny? How do you make people want to hear more of it? How do you make a point? And but you're not you're not just you know next next week it's all political, right? No, it's no, like, no, no. It was gradual, but you know you could see something. Blowjob joke, political yeah. joke. Well, and one thing that was interesting is that even before I started doing political material, um, one thing that I noticed had happened is that um, when I did do like sort of social commentary about you know maybe like well sometimes it was about nothing. If I was just telling regular jokes, mm-hmm. if I would, I was like telling jokes and I would say something like, um, like maybe male Great Danes should have to wear underwear in public. <laughs> Dumb joke. <laughs> but it got a laugh every time. And then it started bombing. And I was like, why is that joke bombing? And then I started taping, which is what you do when you're a comic and your jokes go south. It's usually that you're leaving a word out or you've gotten so comfortable with the material that it starts failing. And so I went back and listened, and I had started, instead of saying, um, maybe male Great Danes should have to wear underwear in public, I started saying, I think male Great Danes should have to wear in public. And when I started saying, I think, the audience hated it. So hmm. even taking an, an assertive stance on something completely benign, it was off-putting. Hmm. Back in back in the day, that's changed dramatically, but that has been a giant curve yeah. for women to stand on stage and say "I think" about anything. It was a gender thing. Was threatening. Yeah. So then it's a gender thing, and then it becomes politics, and then you're trying to weave the politics in, and then could, that just pisses fifty percent of the people off anyway because of your yeah. stance, right? So I just like narrowing, 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 yeah. narrowing until you can build, 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 build. You know, so it's like. You narrow your audience down to that core who like you think you're funny, think your politics are good, and think you're good at being funny about politics because those three things kind of come all at different times and everything. So then, so then you have that nucleus, and then it starts building back up to where they tell people who, and it's a whole long process. It's interesting though. Is there is there a way to do the political without the I think? I mean, is there a way to? Why should you? Well, I mean, if it was an issue in the beginning. I think it was an issue in the beginning. I think, though, remember, wasn't just about politics. Mm. It was about life. You know? If you're just saying, I think, and that freaks people out to where they... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a double whammy, right? Right. It's, you're giving them political and you're giving them right. that. Yeah. Yeah, well, then I think you, then I think you ask yourself, um, and, and my, my philosophy always has been... Um, Anybody should say whatever the fuck they want. Mm. Like, I don't really sign petitions that say stop somebody from saying this, stop somebody from saying that. Um, <laughs> except I'm going to tell you to stop saying that right now. Um, <laughs> Edie. But what I will say is, whatever jokes you choose to say, the second they pass your lips, everybody else gets to interpret them mm. and gets to have a feeling about them. I get to have a feeling about what you say. Everybody gets to have a feeling about what I say. So... If I'm going to be controversial, yeah. um, I should probably be able to defend it. I should probably be able to say, oh, God, you're right. That was kind of fucked up. Maybe I, I, I said that wrong, and now I've got to take the heat. Or, you know what? I totally stand by that. I love that joke. I like what I said. I know my intention, and I'm fine. Because you can't explain a joke. So, like, when it goes out there, and it's crazy. You know, I wrote, did a tweet two years ago. Mm. Oh, my fucking God. I... um. This is on your Wikipedia page now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. You know, and it was um, it was right when that whole IRS thing was dominating the news cycle that mm-hmm. Obama had targeted yeah. Republicans. Um, and also, combined with every time there was a big storm, some crazy right-winger says, this is God's plan. Right? Every time. This is God's plan punishing liberals so tornado is coming it hadn't mm. hit I'm like I like to combine my jokes with new stuff so I made a tweet I wonder if God is I wonder if the tornado was targeting I don't remember what the joke was um, but I was trying to make the point of the IRS yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. whatever um, then the tornado hits people die I forgot I made the tweet I come home I, the tweet is out there. People are offended. People are dead. Children are dead. And I was like, 
my intention doesn't matter right now. Mm. I'm not that in love with the joke, and it really hurt a lot of people. So I'm going to take it down. I I feel terrible, you know. Um, there was no reason for me to explain it. Um, there, it wasn't a good enough joke to defend it. And had I taken five more seconds to realize the profundity of what was coming down the pike with that particular tornado, mm-hmm. um, I probably wouldn't have tweeted it. So that's a case where my bad, I took heat, I took the joke down, I didn't, I didn't defend it. I've, I've said other things that people constantly shit on me for. This woman defends killing babies. It's like, I'm sorry. No, actually, I'm, actually, if there's a place where they're killing babies, I'll gladly stand beside you to close it down. Walmart. Yes, happy to do it. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, it's like that. You you take a hit when you walk the line and you and you and you walk the edge. Um, know what you're getting into. But so, I mean, so this this happens. This this goes this this goes out in the world. It causes you at least to rethink this this specific thing. I mean, right. are, are there, um, you know, and 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 you said I, it's not. I, I think you were saying that you know part of the problem was that the joke itself just wasn't that it wasn't that good of a joke. To right, it wasn't that good of a joke, and and it could be construed in ways that were fucked up during a yeah. crisis. But, and I didn't think it through. But but you know should should anything be should anything be off limits? No, 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 absolutely not. Off limits. You never want you know telling someone not to say something. Yeah, is is the sign of a horrible society. But but off limits for you. Oh, for myself. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't make another tornado joke probably in the lead up to one. <laughs> I mean. I don't know what off limits means. I mean, it's like I would I I can't say I can't think of a topic that I I wouldn't talk about done in the r- right yeah. way or the right way that I felt was right for me that I could defend and say um I don't know. I mean, no. I I think that I think all you can say is is you have to take what comes with what comes out of your mouth. Yeah. And people get to, as much as you have a right to say it, people have the right to have feelings about it. And so you always have to know that if you're going to, if you're going to be somebody who speaks out in the world, there's always yeah. going to be people who hate what you say. Like I get, you know, I guess if abortion and, and rape are sort of in your orbit, that's <laughs> kind of anything. Yeah. Anything is right. I mean, and we have, you know, and we, um, like we have a piece they, they passed this law in Michigan that I don't know if you know about where um, they will not cover abortion for rape and incest unless you buy a separate policy ahead of time to a prepare for your rape. rape. Yeah. Yes. So we have our one of our pieces for Michigan. Um, it's a disclaimer that explains the law that says, you know, in Michigan you have to buy a preemptive policy. Yeah. And the case is that you are impregnated by a rape. The scarier thing is that somebody might profit from it. And then we have a fake commercial that looks like just like those progressive car commercials. Uh-huh. It's like, hi, are you here for your rape quote? And it looks exactly like it, but it's a woman oh, like Flo. judging her. It's Flo. <laughs> um, going, oh, let's see if you qualify for this. She wasn't asking for a discount. Turtleneck, yeah. you know, discount. You know, and so it's a whole thing that sort of exposes what this shit really means. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think any, any topic... You know, it depends on a variety of things. Who, who in the topic are is is the is the butt of the joke? Why are you mm. telling the joke at all? Um, is it is it just to say rape and be shocking? That's not particularly interesting to me. Is it to expose um, the rape culture? That's interesting to me. You know, and again, those are my opinions. There's other people that want to throw shit out there and be shocking, and there's a whole market for people who like to hear shocking stuff. I don't happen to be one of them. Is, is it uh, is it hard going back to just being funny after you've, 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 you're funny with a point? <laughs> no, you can say funny. No, you know my Twitter feed. If you, you know, you can look at it, and you know it's like some. You know, I just say whatever I think is funny. You know, if I like one of my one of my a tweet that I really like was I 
I think ranch dressing is is blue cheese for pussies. <laughs> you know, it's not particularly it's not political at all, and it just makes me I laugh. Mean, you're gonna get the salad dressing people. Yeah, up the salad. Well, they're all pissed already. <laughs> some big, find big some salad dressing, right? Yeah, but um, you know. When life gives you lemons, you find where all the cuts on your hands are. You know, it's like you can have many jokes yeah. that are um, not political at all. And I tell a lot of family stories in my act. Like my whole full stand-up set has a lot to do with family, relationship, and how it all ties in with politics. Yeah. Just personal stories about me. Because I'm also kind of um, a nutty professor type who's like kind of spacey and kind of like kooky and... I, I have no problem sort of bringing all of who I am and to to the craft. But 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 you know I was I was listening to the, <clears throat> an interview that you did um, on on the way here, and you know I think you, you toss out a number in terms of um, subject matter of a stand-up routine, and I think it was like ninety percent to ten percent in terms of political and, and non-political. Yeah, eighty um, twenty probably is okay. probably fair. But but is that but you know is is that a s- symptom of you know you just finding you, you thinking about something more or you just you, you you finding more humor in the political and the non political or I think it's just it's really about if you ask any comic what they bring in and bring out and digest in their lives is what they will write material about. Mm-hmm. And my passion is information. It's a symptom of you immersing yourself in this world. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I love, and I love, you know, I, I throw, I lump media in with political too, so I lump all of that together. Sure. I think that they're just, they're equal players in all of it. So, I, you know, I love, I, I just talk about what I take in and love and um, have digested in a way that I can spit back out with some relative Information, yeah. you know, John Boehner's orange isn't interesting to me. I you mean, know? it's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, it's weird. But <laughs> yeah. it doesn't tell me anything about John yeah. Boehner, which is why, you know, when people say it might tell you something about John, Boehner. it really doesn't. I don't know anything about George Hamilton either. Yeah, but you know, and so that's why it's like what someone looks like yeah. in their politician yeah. isn't a political joke, and yeah. I don't find it very interesting in general. So when people say really mean things about Ann Coulter, what she looks like, or Michelle Malka, whatever they feel, or Sarah Palin, I'm like, why are you saying that? I, don't, I know nothing more about... If you don't like these people, mm. then say something about the, what they believe and why you don't like them. Is that, That's a harder joke to write. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, well, it's, just, it's sort of a symptom of, of, you know, with the internet, everybody gets to be a comedian. So yeah. Or, yeah. You get and to have a lot of... usually super good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I asked. I had a uh, I had Chris Hayes on the oh. show. Um, I interviewed him like a month or two back, and I, I asked him this question. You know, it's it's something that that I, I was thinking. Of, I, I've been thinking about a lot for for a while now. Because you know, like during the Bush years, I, I, mo- I moved I moved to New York during the Bush years, and Air from. America from uh, from California, and Air America was still a going concern. And I was listening to to um, your show and the other shows a lot and uh i well you know you, you, you meet somebody like chris hayes i'm sure i'm sure it's very similar to uh to you know interacting with with rachel maddow where you just like this is somebody who's built to be thinking about politics a lot. yeah this is somebody who yep. you know who 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 rightfully identifies himself as a political junkie and it's their passion and it's something that that they couldn't not think about right and and, and you know and the reason why i asked that um, you know, for you, it's probably plays into your getting four hours of sleep every night. But, but the reason why I ask that is because you know, I, 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 to me, it's it's exhausting. You know, I, you know, politics, politics are like sports. It's something that I can't think about a lot. Well, and I think that that is um, super fair. And I don't judge people for not being political for that very reason. But what I do find is in this gradual development of the way I've had my approach be through humor finding information especially on an issue like this that really resonates with women Um, it brings people in and takes the exhaustion out and gets people focused on something Amy right here um, self-admitted 
not particularly a political person. Hmm. But through the course of how we were doing all this, she just really loved it and became immersed in it. You know, it became like this thing. She would come every Sunday, and now she's here every moment, you know. Um, and so because as we were talking about the subject matter, learning about the subject matter, the lens with which I would present it to people who were astute comedy writers, maybe not necessarily political people, mm-hmm. um, they liked it. And that let me know through also doing the comedy and everything else that um, I could communicate why it was important to think about in a way that made it seem fun and funny and outrageous. But do you have to shut it off sometimes? You have to turn it off sometimes, right? You have to, you can't, can't always be thinking about politics. Yeah. Look at my Instagram. You'll see my Christmas pictures. Yeah. I love cooking. I love my dogs. I love Scrabble. I'm a crappy golfer. Um, Yeah. I do turn it off. The more, the more you think about it, the more, and the more you get into it, um, I mean, this, this was another problem, and this is, I'm, I, I don't think I'm unique in this, in that um, the more I tend to think about politics, the more hopeless it feels. You know, the less it feels like anyone, you know, that, that, that any, any individual or, you know, even that any, any group that's not um, a corporation or, or a Koch brother is going to be able to have a, a major impact on the system. But it sounds like for you... The more immersed you've gotten into it, the more the more hopeful you've gotten. The more hopeful I've gotten because I've actually seen people come on board. Um, and also, when you say, can you turn off politics, I can turn off politics. Yeah. But what I can't turn off is knowing that people are needlessly suffering and don't have access to health care because of bullshit. You know, I've seen it. Like, I've seen it. I've seen women come to my shows. I've seen kids write me. Um, I've, I've just... I can't live with, with that. Yeah. And so that's the part that I can't turn off, the realities of somebody else's life. And so I think for me, that's what goes hand in hand with mm-hmm. it. It's, um, like... I, I can fight. I think it's fun. I'm energized by it. And... Um, I want people who fucking don't have any voice to know that somebody's mm-hmm. not fucking giving up on them. I, I you know, that, that's one of the benefits, I guess, of of, um, of focusing on one specific cause. Yeah. Because again, like everybody, I think that's suffering. right. The overwhelming nature <laughs> of of focusing on all of it as a totality. Yeah. Um, there are starving people in lots of. There's starving of, people all over the world. Yeah. That's exactly right. And no. oh my god. And I remember when people, you know, like would say can you do my benefit for this or why aren't you talking about this it's like well maybe you could talk about that and then I'll talk about this thing like that's like if that's your passion then maybe maybe you can talk about that because I am interested in that and I'm and I think it's horrible Mm -hmm. but I think when you have passion for something and then you learn about it and take it in and if you are a communicator of any kind then that's that's where your power lies you can be people come to you for that and they they listen to you and they trust you and and you make them feel like, hey, you know, we actually can do this. And that's the other reason I like um, sort of even going further and looking at state houses because hmm. that's a real difference. When somebody loses by 200 votes, yeah. somebody can actually rally their friends and raise some awareness. And that's something if you can you flip. you point to a tangible change. That's right. Yeah. Then you might stay in the game. Yeah. But, you know, going in and 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 conquering big mountains right off the bat, God, I'd be overwhelmed too. So I, I know I've been talking up all the uh, all the episodes that we've got in the can. Uh, we spoke to to, to Gregory, uh, uh, Peter Cooper, Dave Wakeling, Reckless Eric. Uh, talked to to Julie Klausner last week. Uh, but I wanted to take this this interview that I just did with uh, with Liz Winstead and sort of push it to to the top of the queue um, because you know obviously reproductive rights are, are very much. I mean they're kind of sort of always in the news, but they're they're uh, they're even more in the news right now than usual with the Hobby Lobby thing uh, coming through. And um, and Liz and her team are launching uh, Lady Parts Justice. Uh, I think we'll have launched it probably. Uh, my, I'm not good at math. That's why I do podcasts. But uh, uh, I think it, like a day or so before uh, before this show goes up. And by not good at math, I mean that I, I, I can't 
Um, I can't do any sort of simple subtraction. Uh, but thanks so much to Liz for taking the time to, to, to do the interview. Um, I, I visited her apartment in Brooklyn, and she, she kind of sort of uh, apologized for, for the chaos as, as I was coming through the door. She's got a, a couple of dogs, and there were um, a lot of people working uh, at a, for uh, her dining room table getting ready for the launch of this site. Um, she said it's not normally like that, but apparently it's been like that for about six months or, or so. So, you know, let's, I, I think that's kind of sort of the new normal uh but uh uh you know we touched on on some of the things that she's done you know but she was a a, a co-founder of the daily show um she helped found air america and did a show over there with uh, chuck d and rachel maddow which I, as far as i'm concerned i mean that's that's the sort of thing that you can just retire on and, and coast on forever but uh, keeping very busy uh the, the the site looks really cool got a chance to see a bunch of those videos and you know really really uh really funny writing and lots of very talented people uh, very funny people involved with that high high quality videos so uh lady parts justice is the name of the site and i've got two giant bumper stickers that she handed me to uh so so i can remember uh so thanks so much to liz and uh thanks to everybody who works with her for helping set that one up uh thanks to you as always for listening thanks to to brian for editing the show together uh thanks to mark and everybody else at the boing boing podcast network for uh for hosting up the show you can uh you can check us out over at boingboing.net you can also just go to itunes there's a really great uh boing boing podcast page over there and while you're at itunes why not why not take the opportunity to uh to to rate the show because you know we can always use a a few more stars uh we've got uh if you got feedback you can send us an email to riylcast at gmail.com we've got a tumblr that's riylcast.com tumblr.com you can get the shows uh, hours if not days before they go over up over at uh, boingboing.net uh, and uh, we've got to, as I mentioned earlier lots and lots of good shows coming up so we will catch you just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL 